Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us again this week. If you listened to last week's episode, we were talking about dealing with the public, uh, specifically in you know a retail work situation if you have a visual impairment. And it kind of struck me that uh, Jill and Acacia were talking about their experiences working in grocery stores where they would be needing to do things that made them, it was very obvious that they were blind. And I was feeling like that would, I would feel really self-conscious in that situation. And I realized that it's when I look blind, which we'll talk about a little bit in a minute, that I feel that self-consciousness. And it occurred to me that, you know, I was wondering, do others feel this way too? So I invited Keisha and Dougie to join me for this conversation to find out how they feel about looking blind, whether they feel self-conscious or not, and all the ins and outs about that. So thank you, Keisha and Dougie, for joining me today for this episode. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. So maybe, um, I mean, Keisha's here regularly, but Dougie, we haven't seen you for quite a while. Uh, do you want to remind our listeners a little bit about your level of vision? And can people tell that you have a visual impairment when they look at you? Uh, I would say I have a pretty high level of vision uh, for somebody that is legally blind. I have between eight to, eight to 10% vision, uh, which roughly means I can see about Pretty clearly about 10 to 15 feet in front of me. Uh, lighting always changes that. Um, my vision condition is a congenital nystigmus. It's a pretty noticeable nystigmus. My, my eyes, especially if I'm nervous or whatnot, will, will have a lot of rapid movement. Uh, my one eye inverts in towards my nose uh, all the time. So it's pretty much just inverted looking dead and never moves. Uh, and then I also, um, light and like wind in that will affect it quite a bit. So if it's too sunny or if it's windy, my eyes will get very watery. Uh, so I often feel I, <laughs> it's interesting. Some people say I, I look more blind than I am. Okay. Interesting. Keisha, how about you? Do you know what, what do you look like in terms of blindness? <laughs> um, so yeah, so as I mentioned before, I have RP, retinitis pigmentosa, and uh, it's basically light perception at this point with a few little, you know, colors and shapes here and there, but basically light perception. And so uh, I also have nystagmus. And so that does, you know, as, as mentioned before, it does make your eyes move constantly. Um, so that is kind of, you know, interesting thing for somebody who's not accustomed to it I, I suppose that could be considered a, a blind looking feature um and yeah I mean uh I I'm a cane well I was a cane user in the past I'm a guide dog user now so yeah it's it's definitely visually obvious when I have my stuff going on my my tools and my 
buddy who's my uh, four-legged working companion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so for me, I guess like also have RP, but um, my vision throughout my life has just sort of gradually de- decreased. And in my younger years, I often was told that I didn't look blind and I was told it like it was a compliment. Oh, you don't look blind. And then it wasn't until kind of in my thirties that it was a boyfriend, an ex-boyfriend that actually said, why do your eyes move? And no one had ever told me that my eyes moved up to that point. And then I started checking it out with people and they're like, well, it's not that noticeable or you really have to look to see it. And and so I think as my vision became less and less, I think my eyes, I, I don't know, cause I'm scared to ask people. So I honestly don't know how bad my nystagmus is, but I do know that I have it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if my eyes are like, you know, just shaking a little bit sometimes if it's more when I'm tired, if I can still pass as sighted. Uh, and, but of course, when I, I use a white cane all the time, so when I'm out in the world, it's very obvious and I'm blind because of my white cane. But when it comes to my actual physical appearance, I'm not sure. And it's part of this fear I have of looking blind that has stopped me from even asking somebody, how blind do I look? And what does blind look like? Yes, exactly. (laughs) So in terms of this conversation, because first of all, there is no such thing as looking blind because that sort of that, that kind of means that we're, we're talking about a stereotype of blindness perhaps. And so for me, when I say I feel self-conscious, when I look blind, I'm referring to, I made a list and it's quite extensive. I realized. So feeling around for things with hands or, or with my cane. So that could be like looking for a stairwell and overshooting it and then having to kind of retrace my steps to go back. Um, holding something up close to your face to be able to see it, uh, talking to someone <laughs> who you think you're facing. And then when they speak, you realize they've moved and you're not actually facing them. Oh, that's making, or they completely leave. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that too. Uh, knocking something over that you didn't see sitting on something accidentally that you didn't see, um, being witnessed what? walking into something. So, you know, bumping into something like a door frame or something. Uh, and even things like asking who's speaking or is there an empty chair somewhere? Do you guys feel self-conscious doing any of these things? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've had to work a lot over the years to feel less self-conscious around those things, but I would definitely feel a lot of self-consciousness uh, trying to read things because I'd have to have it so close. Um, I would run into things on a regular basis. And then my default is to almost pretend like nothing happened here. Just <laughs> leave me alone. I'm just going on my, and no matter how I could practically injure myself or concuss myself. And I would not want somebody to yes. acknowledge what I just did. Yes. I do the same thing. Like I even, I can think of an exact example of this, this summer, I think I, I ran into uh, a bike rack and then the guy who saw me, it happened. I just quickly turned and I like put my finger over my lips, like, don't, 
say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and he like you could tell he was like, oh god. And then I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yes. And then he just like back didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like if no one says anything, it we can pretend it didn't mm-hmm. happen. I yeah. don't know. So interesting, like. I mean, it took me a long time to feel comfortable using a white cane. And I feel like that's all connected here. It was like this, mm-hmm. I had this stereotype of blindness in my head and I didn't want to be that stereotype. Or I had this idea of what sighted people thought of blindness, I should say. I don't even know if, if it is the stereotype. And for me, it was like not capable, helpless, needing help. I don't know, some version of that. Um I got over that because at some point I just couldn't not use my cane. Like it's not safe for me to be in the world without it now. And I actually don't feel self-conscious using my, my white cane anymore, but that was decades in the making to get to the place where I don't feel self-conscious. Weirdly though, I still do feel self-conscious with all the things I just listed. So what the heck is that about? And what about you guys using your mobility, whether it's a cane or a dog? And we could talk about whether it's different between cane and dog, but Dougie, you've had a journey with your cane. Um, I didn't use a mobility cane until I turned 40. So I've been using a mobility cane for about seven years now. Um, a big part for me, one thing, like I realized I became pretty cane competent really quickly once I started using it because I just found it was so much easier. Uh, I didn't get bombarded with as many people actually, I got less questions about my blindness with the cane, I feel, than than prior. Uh, and just, um, it allowed me to explain it a lot better, like for almost <laughs> my whole life, from, from elementary school uh, up until an adult, uh, because of my nystigmus and, and my eye inverting, uh, a lot of people would just come into my personal space and ask, well, what's wrong with your eyes? Or they'd see me reading something closely and be like, well, why don't you just get glasses? Mm-hmm. And all of these things were, I, I just, I think I came to a point where I'm like, well, people obviously know already. They're coming into my space already. I'm having a harder time navigating. Like I really, by the time I started using a cane, I didn't feel safe even navigating at night in my own neighborhood. I just, I, um, I couldn't recognize that people were beside me until they were right beside me. Um, uh, so I just, I, I got to a point where I really felt that I needed to, to use a mobility device. And I just realized that this is actually way better. I wish I started earlier. It would have been way easier to explain so many, so many things. And I think it wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have had so many personal questions. So that is super interesting. And, um, I feel like I can, I can weigh in here as well, because I think for me, it's, it's not the cane that I have a problem with it's it's the connotation I think that's what we're all saying a little bit here is Mm -hmm. so like if I'm using the cane alone and I'm just toodling along doing my own thing by myself it's like awesome great cane's giving me great feedback we're having a great time the cane even has a name I mean you know we have Mm -hmm. we have a good relationship (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then like with my dog like obviously I love him he's well he's a dog and and then sometimes like you know he's also my work partner but so I, I you know I love him to pieces but just in, in terms of talking about a cane or a dog, well, it is slightly different with the cane. I used it for years and years up until two years ago. 
and uh, we had lots of great adventures together and we still do sometimes and um the the problem and like even with people that i'm comfortable with like family and friends like it can be just like oh whatever it's a cane like you know we all sometimes we crack jokes about it sometimes we just don't ignore it it's just what it is but when it's like for me sometimes it feels like bringing the cane out is just like yelling out like well i need it desperately like, I, I need to use it because i'm i'm very visually impaired and it is it is very necessary for my navigation my cane or my guide dog so but it's kind of like for me i I sometimes on and off struggle with viewing it as like a sign that just yells like, hi, I'm blind, like I'm different. And here, here you know, here it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that like, you know, I struggle with like, there are days where I really don't want to be acknowledged at all. And I just kind of want to be in my own space or I just want to, you know, even just, t- um, even if I do want to interact with people, like I would, sometimes I just want to talk about the weather or like about our lives and like often you know my experience with the cane is sometimes like well like it's great to talk about blindness but I get you know sometimes I want to talk about other stuff Mm -hmm. and like engage with a stranger about something else in my life or in their lives and it's just like with the cane or the dog it's you know quite often not always but there's it's just like a million questions about blindness or about you know the training process of the dog or this and that it's just it can be very I don't know exhausting I think that's the association that I have made sometimes with 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 you know um either of those mobility paths um is just that association of oh gosh like I'm donning my my sign right like this is like but but on the other hand like I I love what Dougie said it's like yeah like it also does tell people that you're blind like I I definitely am glad I have like a cane or a dog like when I'm crossing a street because then the cars know that if (laughs) something's slightly wrong then it's probably because she's blind and like a little bit of you know people understand a little bit more but yeah it can be like there are days where I just like I've thought it before I'm like I just want to pull up my hoodie and disappear it's interesting because I don't feel, I used to feel embarrassed to use my cane. I don't mm-hmm. feel embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed to be blind. I can tell we, we have this podcast where we're talking about blindness. So clearly I don't have an issue talking about my blindness. I have made it my life's work to, you know, like teach and educate about blindness. I have no issue standing up in front of people with my white cane and telling people all about my blindness but when it comes to doing things that make me look blind, that's where I have some issues. And it's, I don't like, yeah, I guess that's, that's what I'm trying to get to the heart of here. Uh, but it's interesting because a, a white cane is like the symbol of blindness. So obviously if I'm walking down the street with a white cane, I look blind. That doesn't really bother me unless I'm fumble. So it's not the using it. It's the using it and looking like I'm incompetent in some way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I wish people's assumptions wouldn't come up so much around blindness. Like that's the, I think similar to Keisha, like I want to be out and about mobilizing with my white cane, but I, if people want to come into my space and ask me a question, I wish it'd be more like a regular question that you just ask another person. Like if I'm with my, I'm out mobilizing with my white cane and I have my dog, instead of asking me about my cane, ask me about my dog or 
or something mm. that's maybe not always blindness related, I feel mm-hmm. would, be, right. would be nice. Okay. So Keisha does, cause you have grown up with some blind role models, some exposure to a positive perspective of blindness. Your mom's amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she is, yeah. do you feel the same thing that I'm describing or and because oh, yeah. when, when I was talking with Jill and Acacia and I asked them, like, did you feel self-conscious Jill feeling the groceries as she was bagging other people's groceries and having people watch her do that, or Acacia having to hold something really close to her face to see the prices. And they both sort of had this, like, no, not really. And, you know, if people want to watch they're they're welcome to. And <laughs> I was just like, wow, I couldn't do that. So how do you feel? And you've also worked in retail and dealt with strangers and had to sort of like, like, was that yeah. embarrassing so, for you? I think it, it depends on the company that I'm with, like, or the people, you know, and, and how like comfortable we are with each other. Cause sometimes it, it really doesn't matter at all. Like, you know, they've, they've seen me fumble around lots and, and we're just kind of, that's, we're just comfortable with that. I've, I've seen them, you know, do their embarrassing things and <laughs> Um, but, uh, so like in those circumstances, it's, it's not, it doesn't really bother me that much, but it's, I think, yeah, I think I do get a little bit embarrassed about it. Um, partly because I, you know, I just, I want to be seen as very capable mm-hmm. and I've always, I've always felt that way. Like I just, I, I really value being independent I value, um, seeming capable and, and, um, you know, then some, so when I'm like running into stuff and, and, you know, having to like knocking stuff over while I'm feeling around or whatever, um, sometimes that can be a little bit awkward or, um, sometimes people will like the thing that, that sometimes is challenging is like reading the room. And like, if there's a stranger around, are they going to like jump in? And like, if I knock something over while I'm trying to like do my thing, which, which is just natural par for the course. Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to jump in and start hovering or start or tell me I can't do that now because right. I just yes. knocked one thing over. And that's the thing that I think makes me the most nervous is like somebody drawing a line because I made one mistake because that's just how sometimes I have to operate. Does it make a difference who's around when, because for me, honestly, I even feel it with my parents. Mm-hmm. Like I can think of being at my mom's house it's kind of a small place and she's got a lot of stuff and it's kind of cluttered. And in the last year or so I've really lost like the majority of what was remaining of my vision. I I can still see light, but I get lost in her tiny. Like (laughs) I go to the bath. I mean, it's a round table. So depending on where you're sitting, you're kind of like pointing in a different direction when you go to try to find the bathroom. And I mean, I can figure it out pretty quickly, but I'm aware of feeling embarrassed that, oh, I went the wrong way, or I didn't find the bathroom on the first shot, or, oh, oops, I went too far, I'm over to the left or to the right, you know, or I'm not by the chair that I thought I was at or whatever. It's my mom. Like, (laughs) I can't believe I feel that. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if it's my friends, it doesn't matter if it's my family, if it's strangers, if it's, I mean, I'm probably maybe even a little more comfortable in front of strangers because I never have to see them again, potentially, but do you feel, does it matter to you guys who you're around and are there people that you aren't self-conscious around at all? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Strangely as well. Like um, I feel more self-conscious around 
maybe people that like at people I hung out with high school and they, I didn't use a cane back then. Mm. Uh, or he, uh, funny, even my sister who has the same visual impairment as me, but um, I know she would never, she'll never use a cane. And even one time, like when I first started using a cane and we were going out to uh, uh, for lunch in this area and I didn't grab it intentionally. And I'm thinking, did I do it just because I almost, I felt like I did it because I didn't want to make her uncomfortable, which is yes. so dumb. Mm. See, I'm going to go on the other side now and tell you about when, who I feel comfortable around. Um, so I have like, I have some really close friends who like, I used to feel super uncomfortable around them, but once we like just kind of got through all that and, you know, got to be in good, good friends um, and we just cracked a lot of jokes and, and we've been through lots together. So it's like, I don't feel at all uncomfortable around them. It's like, in fact, sometimes it's like, you know, you know, the, the cane is just kind of part of the journey and they're like, I don't know, they've really accepted it and mm -hmm. which I, I really feel grateful about. And then like with a lot, with most of my family members, I, I feel pretty comfortable with that too. Like, um, well, like you said, I've, <laughs> I've got a pretty great mom and, mm -hmm. and, and so it's like, um, so I feel pretty comfortable around them. I'd say for me, it's mainly strangers that I, because I'm, I'm always worried I'm I'm gonna like set an impress like an impression that I'm not capable or something or that they're gonna think that even though I know that's not right. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. But that's like it's because the strangers is like, well, you know, that person could be a potential friend or that person could be a potential like adventure buddy or that person could be a, a potential employer and you know, and it's like I don't wanna show I don't want them to think that I can't keep up or like do the, the same kind of stuff. Like and that's you know, that's a, that's just like an insecurity, right? Well, that's interesting. Cause I actually feel like I'm an ambassador for all blind people <laughs> and I'm out in the world interacting with strangers. So, and it probably because of starting blind beginnings and wanting to change perceptions of blindness. Like I put a lot of pressure on myself to be the perfect blind person, <laughs> and yeah, which well, is yeah. so, so wrong because there's nothing wrong with feeling around for things. There's nothing wrong with all the things that I'm describing that make me feel self-conscious. I don't want to feel self-conscious. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the fact that I do feel self-conscious kind of makes me not the perfect blind person, but yeah, it's like the well, making a mistake in front of somebody. It's like, we need to normalize that we are strong and capable in our own, in our own minds, but that it, it, this is all par for the course, which is my new word of the day, I guess. Mm. um uh, like just run, you know running into things or feeling things like it's just it's just like yeah. a different way of exploring the environment and a different way of navigating and just because it's it's unorthodox to perhaps a lot of sighted people it, it it's not a bad way to explore the world mm -hmm. sometimes i get self-conscious of of almost looking too confident though because i've had instances if i'm walking too quickly uh, in my neighborhood that I walk every single day and have lived for for 20 years. So I feel very, I feel pretty confident walking around here, even with an eye shade. But if, uh, you know, if I'm going too fast for some people, I'll be called a fake or something of that nature, which I'm, it's mm. difficult to have to live to people's uh either expectations in some cases like i feel very similar to sean where i feel like oh i gotta represent the whole me too. community yeah me too and and then also it's like when i am doing that and i'm living this way then people might 
question the authenticness of my blindness. And it really is those assumptions that that is sort of at the core of this, right? Like, why am I so self-conscious? Obviously, I have this core belief or grew up to to have this core belief or or whatever, like was influenced to think that that blindness is negative in some way. And I'm like trying so hard to demonstrate that it's not, I guess that's the thing. Like, so, to, so much so that I feel like I can't make a mistake. I can't fumble. I can't show any sign that I can't do something. I can't ask for help, like all these things, because then maybe those perceptions are right, even though I know they're not, but I think that's kind of, that's that internalized ableism, right? Mm-hmm. I'm curious how your families ha- respond when you do some of these fumbly things. I think I mentioned that um, I was praised for not looking blind. Mm-hmm. And I think that possibly my parents even said that to me, like, you don't look blind and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, your eyes look normal or, or that kind of thing. And then I had a situation as a teenager where some, a couple of cousins, like, second cousins that I didn't see very often asked me why my eye was, um, why are you cross-eyed? And one of my eyes would move in towards my nose when I was tired, but it was only when I was tired. Anyways, it was something that I got my, I got fixed. I had like cosmetic surgery to pull that muscle over and straighten that eye out. And I, I'm sure that was encouraged by my mom. Um, or by everyone, right? Like, well, we can make you look normal. So let's take care of that. And I wanted that too. But then, so even that in itself is kind of more evidence that you should look normal. You should behave normally. Like you shouldn't do things to sort of tip people off or look blind. I don't know. I feel like that was reinforcement of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, as, uh, because I still have that issue where my, my, one eye always inverse towards my nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've had that uh, a lot of times as well about people. Well, why don't you get surgery? Even from other blind people, even from, mm-hmm. I think a blind person that has really like no vision. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why, why would you, I, the person used to be sighted though. He's like, well, why would you even suggest this? This kind of even bother you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, at this point, I uh, I mean, one reason why I've never wanted to do it is I just didn't want to risk losing vision uh, for for something that was cosmetic, or uh, that was always my biggest fear around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I knew it didn't really affect my vision as well, but I definitely do. F- I do also find that's one of the reasons why I get so many invasions of my personal space because it is so obvious all the all the time. Well, I, I find myself like if I am engaging with somebody who's close to me who acts frequently like I'm uh you know like the like being blind is a weird and unsightly or or just a kind of uh whatever right like um I find I draw away from them mm-hmm. and pull away from them quite a bit but I do also have like a lot of people in my life who either just ignore it or crack or just crack jokes together because I I can also see the humor in like some some of the way it might look to them we've all had those circumstances where we've done something that we're just trying to find our way feel our way through life and we've it might have looked a little bit silly to somebody mm-hmm. and so I try to find the lightheartedness in it but um for the most part like 
I find myself drawn to those who just ignore. I know I prefer that too, to the point where like, if I am feeling around for something and somebody gives me direction, it almost makes me mad because (laughs) it's kind of the same thing about don't notice that I've hurt myself. Don't notice me being blind right now. Like I just want to get away with it without anyone noticing, but it's because of the self-consciousness. Like they're just trying to help. They might be like, oh, it's a little to the right Mm -hmm. or the chips are a little in front. It's usually feeling around for snacks, right? (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Yeah. But even I'm thinking even my mom will like, if she comments, cause she see she's noticing, she knows I love food. She's trying to help me out and, and push it towards me or tell me where it is. But I'm like, ah, you noticed. Yeah. I have like yeah. one person in my life who's, who's grown closer to me more recently. And she, I will be like, you know, sitting at a, a just like a restaurant table. And I, I kind of just like to do a little casual feeling around like not hardcore just like around my like place Mm -hmm. in my place setting and stuff just to be like okay where's my water cool Mm -hmm. where's my fork nice and um and then or like looking at my dish like it looks kind of neat that's Mm -hmm. a cool tactile thing and then but like I'm I'm keeping conversations I'm not I'm not drawing a bunch of attention to it but I'm just looking around and then yeah uh, this one person will be regularly like what are you doing what are you feeling And I'm like, uh, I'm just cringing. enjoying, yeah. I'm enjoying taking in my surroundings just as you do with your eyes, but I'm doing it with my hands. Mm. Do you say that? I have said it to her. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. That's a good response. Um, but I wouldn't, like, I, I'm only getting, learning how to say these things as I get older. Like it's, <laughs> I used to just be like, Oh, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I won't even feel around. Like mm-hmm. I'll wait until I'm going to pick up my glass to look for where it is and try to do it as discreetly as like listening to where the person put it down. I think I know where it is. I'm going to reach for it now. I'm going to kind of try to keep my hand, you know, down close to the table so that I'm not going to punch it accidentally, but, or I'll like sneak. Do you ever along. do the casual, do the casual sweep where you're like, I'm pretending you're grabbing something else. And then you, oh, oh, oh my glass. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Or well, I do like a little sneak around the edge of my plate. Like I'm creeping along the edge of my plate to hoping I'll bump the glass with my knuckles as I do that. Like, yeah. Like trying to be so sneaky and smooth. Oh, so no oh, one will notice. Yeah. Yeah. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> But it's so dumb. It is. Well, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. No, you, you can. Dumb, but... You can say it is because it <laughs> yeah. is. It's like so we dumb. all. We all do these things, and it. And it it's silly. Why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The other day before I was like leaving uh, for my improv class, I was looking for something and I like looked around the house for 15 minutes. I'm going through every room. I couldn't find it, uh, and then it turned out it was like just beside the toilet and like my wife eventually found it and she's like why don't you just ask me once in a while and now you're all like flustered before your class and then just mm-hmm. like I can't I gotta find it on my own and <laughs> yes yes one thing I've noticed more of where I get intrusions to my personal space and something that causes me to look blind is if I'm if I'm using my phone to mm-hmm. either uh, to either use the the reader to uh to read something to me or if i'm using the magnifier and often i'll go into businesses and they'll be well you can't take pictures in here and i'm like no i'm just just trying to magnify it so i can read the price right um and unfortunately like the worst instant i ever had and this is where i'm so glad i had the cane because i think my safety would have been at risk if i didn't is um 
I was looking for an address one time and I was using my phone to, uh, to magnify, to get to the address. I'm like, well, I like this. This is way better. I don't have to walk right up somebody's front stoop to the, to their door to read an address. Uh, But one time a person took real issue with it again, thought they were taking photos. And I was like, well, no, no, I'm just, I'm visually impaired. I tried to show my cane and then the person got even more into my personal space uh, pretty much till I got to a point, I felt the only way that this was going to end is if I also got unregulated and let this person know, spoken the same language they were speaking in. But then I just felt so horrible. I was like completely out of sorts after that experience. I, you know, I couldn't even imagine what would that would have been like if I didn't have a cane and didn't have any way to identify my visual impairment. Um, yes. It is ironic because I remember back in the days when I had a choice whether to use a cane or not and didn't want to use one and trying to get help without the cane had a total other kind of anxiety associated with it, right? It's like, well, if I'm going to go to the grocery store and ask for assistance, but I don't look blind, then I have to like give this whole speech about why I'm asking yes, <laughs> and explain, which was also super hard. So I, maybe that's why I've embraced the cane and I don't have that feeling around using it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I just need to overcome this other part of like being comfortable, asking for what I need, asking for information that I can't see for that empty chair, like feeling around on the table for the snacks, you know, knowing that I'm going to get lost sometimes and it's okay. And of course I am. Cause I can't see like, like if I really rationally think about it, how could I possibly memorize everything in the world that I'm going to nail it every time? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that's impossible. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, like it, on ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah. I mean, one thing I always found I mean, a bit difficult when I also used to work in retail. And one thing I, I've never been, been a big fan of is of when I'm just doing really basic, simple things that everyone else does. And I get like oodles of praise heaped on me. Like oh, when I was like, I can't stand I cash it. Oh, you're doing such a fantastic job. Uh, I'm like, I'm not doing any better than the person beside me. And you know what? They have better vision than me but I got better math skills than them so their tails always off and mine isn't so it's not (laughs) yeah yeah well and I think the thing that frustrates me about that particular thing is that by like praising the you know the fact that we like did something you know that we don't see as as big well it's hard to say because some people everybody's level of success is different and it should be all should be celebrated but I know like when I feel like I'm not like I'm being praised for something that's really insignificant to me I'm like well they must just they have such a low standard for what I can do Mm -hmm. yeah but I know that that's you know every like I said everybody's levels of success is so different so Uh, well I hope that the next generation is going to not feel self-conscious. I was encouraged by Jill and Acacia, and I was hoping that maybe some little piece of that is thanks to the the sort of limitless philosophy that Blind Beginnings has. Um, I can't say that it's the credit of this podcast yet, but <laughs> but I I now feel like I need to learn from them. Like I want to be better. I want to be more comfortable. I want to be authentic. I want to be 
comfortable in my blind skin, you know, like it is what it is. And I'm going to have to feel around for things and fumble. And sometimes I'm going to make mistakes and it's totally okay. And it's Mm -hmm. not the people in my life who've taught me that it's not okay. Like that's the irony, right? It's just Uh, these beliefs I have. It's not like anybody has actually said, don't make a mistake because it's going to show your incompetence or anything. It's just fear that it's totally. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree on my end. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that we Blind Beginnings has done a, a great job of is we've raised a lot of awareness, uh, not just amongst uh, people that uh, are are blind, but I think also <laughs> from people that are blind, but also people that are not, because um, a the podcast uh, that that is always expressing people different stories, our our events, uh, and really the chance for youth and children to have a regular vehicle to actually connect and and discover that a lot of their things are just are normal and they shouldn't they're not different yeah i'm thinking i guess if if i was gonna like have any advice to parents maybe who are raising kids who are blind like i'm trying to think of like what would have been helpful to me I don't know, you know, is it to ignore the feeling around? Is it to encourage the feeling around? Is it like maybe because I thought I was sighted until I was 12. And Mm. so I, I had that expectation on myself that I should do things the way sighted folks do. And, and so I've had to unlearn all of that. Well, Keisha, I'm I'm just like totally putting it all on your mom, but how were you taught? (laughs) Like, the feeling around thing. Like we actually are taught how to find things when we're blind. Like, was that something you remember learning how to do and encouraged to do? Oh yeah. And, and keep in mind just because, so my mom, you know, listeners, my mom is a vision teacher. Um, but we, I was a stubborn little kid. Um, <laughs> and I was really quite not good at taking her feedback. Uh, for a long time because she's my mom mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know little kids being petulant and whatnot mm-hmm. and um, me kind of balking at a lot of things because I I don't know why she definitely did like have me like really encourage scanning like in the grid fashion uh, when I dropped something it like she rarely did the thing that she did really well like she did a lot of things really well but one thing that was that I really think is a great thing to do is like when your kid, you know, when your kid's dropping something, like, well, feel for it. Like she, it was never mm-hmm. like, I'd be like, oh, where is it? And she was like, well, feel for it. Mm-hmm. Like, look for it and actually try to find and use your scanning skills. And, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like, you know, you can do it. It was, it was always, it was always accountability was put on me. Like you can do mm-hmm. it. So do it mm-hmm. and, in a loving way. But like, you know, like also assertively, like you, yeah, like, you know, you have the capability, so do it. And um, I'd say like, that worked really well for me. I, I don't know how well it works for everybody. But I don't know. Sometimes my friends and I would even like in- just incorporate my cane into just like, mm-hmm. like we wouldn't play with it like a toy, but we, it was like, it was just incorporated in like cool like activities that we did. Like the cane was there. The cane was part of part of the action. Like it was, and it wasn't weird. It was like, oh yeah, this is just how it is. And so that's, I think just celebrating it in that way can be really positive. If you like 
bumped into something or went the wrong way or something like that, what would your mom do in that situation when you were growing up? Would she comment? Would she let you just figure it out? I think she usually would let me figure it out. I mean, she also had the, the instinct to like, she did also have the instinct to be like, like to do the mom thing Mm -hmm. and try to protect you from hurting yourself. But, um, but she really tried to let me like explore and, and be hardy and, and really get my, you know, really get myself out there into the world and really feel around and explore. So like, yeah, it, it depends. Sometimes she would be like, Oh, 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 oh stop. You know, or like, grab, grab, you know, grabbing mm-hmm. like before I would hit something like when I was little and yeah. I'd be like, why are you doing that? <laughs> um, but it was only cause that, that parent instinct comes out. Right. And then like, um, but usually I think she, she did try to let me like do my own thing. Like I would, I'd wander off and go exploring, you know, whenever I could. And, and she just kind of like, let it happen. I'm sure she was watching from the sidelines, Yeah, but she tried to keep herself removed whenever she could. I'm just thinking it's funny at now as an adult, there have been times when my mom has actually brought me over to something to feel it. Like I remember we were in Vegas together and she's like, Oh, come and feel this whatever, like there's lots of cool things to see in Vegas or to touch, but, or in a restaurant, if there's like some tactile art thing or, Mm. and I think when, when that happens, when somebody invites me to use Mm. my sense of touch to, to like check something out, it almost gives me permission to be yourself, feel around for Mm. things after that. And Mm I, I don't remember that happening as a kid. And because I did have more vision, I think there was just this assumption that I would see it, not need to feel it, but mm-hmm. I really did need to feel it like to really get a sense of it. So maybe that's something that when you're, if you're a parent and you're encouraging your child to check things out with their hands, you're kind of telling them it's cool to look at this with your hand. Like there's nothing wrong with doing it this way. This is how you're going to get the most out of it. And, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm comfortable with you doing it as well. Another thing I could see being really useful. Another thing I could see being useful would be like, if you have like a couple of kids, like, and the one you have one visually impaired child and a couple of sighted kids or whatever, like when, as when they're young, like everybody gets to like have encourage it so that everybody's like feeling around and exploring with multiple senses so it's like it's not just the, the mm. blind kid like mm. experiencing you know who's like oh you're gonna feel these guys are gonna look yeah it's like oh guess what <laughs> we have five senses for a reason yeah. whether you're sighted or blind like let's enjoy all of them yes mm-hmm. yeah that's a great idea mm-hmm. uh you know one thing i would really like to see in schools is more activities uh, and not just for, for blindness related, but for all different kind of disabilities to, to, to give like in sports and all that. Like I would, I would have loved to have, you know, like maybe, uh, maybe instead of regular dodgeball, we all have an eye shade on and we got like a dodgeball with like bells in or, or, or something like that. Like I always felt if we did more activities that showed how the whole world kind of does different activities, we'd be sh- gaining a greater understanding and I think we'd have better, better interactions, uh, in general. Yeah, that's true. And kind of showcasing Mm -hmm. the other senses and, and how you can be really functional and successful using them as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, thanks you guys. Thanks for joining me for this conversation. I appreciate being able to talk it through and realize I'm not totally alone in my <laughs> self-consciousness and it's definitely something I'm going to continue to work on, but thanks. Thanks for sharing with me and with our listeners. You're welcome. Our pleasure. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email at limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, and if you like it, leave us a rating and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.